It is he who enables us. It is he who enables us. Will you say that with me? It is he who enables us. Say it again. It is he who enables us. Do you believe it? This is why the Bible says, I can do all things. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I am so excited about what is happening with Julie and Heather and Jacob. Come on, let them know you appreciate them, would you? They do a lot of, they put a lot of work into this. Uh, as you're turning in your Bibles to Second, or Second Corinthians 1, got a lot of scripture today. And uh, I want to take you into our third uh, installment of our series on God's grace. As you're turning there, and the screen, the screen will have scripture up there also. But you know, I, I sometimes, I, I've actually came close a few times to, to stop putting scripture on the screen. The reason is, is because we get lazy looking in our Bibles. And I don't know about you, but I would rather find you know, people look at me and say, Pastor, what are, are you a walking concordance? No, I'm a pastor. I'm not a concordance. I know where a lot of Scripture is. I, I have memorized lots and lots of Scripture. But the reality is when I'm looking for something, I might know that it's in the book of, of Kings, and I might not know exactly what chapter and verse is, but I know where it's at in my Bible. Yeah. And that only comes from practice. You look through and say, well, I know, golly, it's about the middle of the Bible. There it is. Oh, that chapter, that verse. So it's, it's really good that you open your Bible. You got one amen, two amens. There we go. It's good to open your Bible and know where it's at. Anyway, while you're there, don't forget men directly. Is it directly following, Pastor? Okay, directly following the men's group is going over to Killips Elementary School. They feed several hundred people on Is that Killips? Okay. Uh, several hundred people every Sunday there. Our women's group went there a couple months ago, and it was just a great, great time. Uh, today, our men's group is going to go. You say, well, I'm not a part of the men's group. It'd be a great time to become a part of it. Okay? Go over to Killips School, and they'll be, you're going you're gonna to help. Uh, to dish out food, if you feel comfortable mingling with the people, can I encourage you, do that. Step out of your comfort zone. Because I don't know about you, but I've been down, and, and, you know, through struggles and difficulties at times in my life. And sometimes somebody not giving you a hand out but a hand up, sometimes it can deal with this thing called Pride. Can't all of us have it. Pride's a very good thing to have. It's a very bad thing to have you. There's a big difference. And so uh, go and, and be a part of this and just, you know, it, it'd be a wonderful blessing. Directly, if you need uh, somebody, Pastor Philemon is going to be there. So, Pastor, would you stand up and wave at everybody? Come look for him right afterwards, okay? And uh, that way he can get you directed there. Who's actually... Pastor, who's actually, are you in charge of it? Is somebody else in charge of it? Okay, you're in charge of it? Okay. Uh, just come see Pastor Philemon, and he'll give you directions and get everything organized. I've been, the last few weeks, talking about grace. Last week was Mother's Day. And I, I pray that I 
did what I believe God put on my heart to do as far as lifting moms. I think moms are one of the greatest unsung heroes uh, of, of the world, okay? And like I said, if we ever have any guys out here, you're a little egocentrical. I know that doesn't apply to this church. There's nobody like that, okay? But the reality is you got to think about, well, women are here and men are here. You better thank God that woman's where she's at or you wouldn't be here. Okay, you know, so that's just it. I've got seven brothers and three sisters in my family. Uh, one, one of my brothers died. My, actually, my, one of my older brothers and my dad died about, got about just six months apart uh, a couple years ago. And it was a, a real tough, rough time because usually when you have that big of a family, you got, you know, some people have, you know, twins and triplets. Uh, but it was all singles uh, for us. And my mom, you know, my oldest to my youngest were between, I think it's like 12 and a half years apart. Mom was pregnant for a long time. But I tell you what, my mom is one of the greatest women I, I know. She is just, she's, to, she's 84, 85 years old. She still lives in Kingman. And uh, I get a chance to see her once in a while. But she's just, she's just been so strong and so dedicated and so diligent uh, true, one of the unsung heroes of society is the moms. So I wonder, I know this isn't Mother's Day, but could we just put our hands together for the moms again one more time today, would you please? Today's message, I want to continue in our series on grace. And I purposely titled it this way because we have to understand it's grace that keeps us. We are kept strong and secure by the Spirit of Grace. There's two places in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. It's in uh, Zechariah 12 and Hebrews 10. And it's specifically called the Spirit of Grace because it, it is through the Holy Spirit that we are enabled to do everything in life. And so today's message, we are kept strong and secure. In your notes, the very first line, it says the Scriptures are very clear that at salvation we belong to God. Do your notes say that? Okay. I want you to read that out loud with me, that very first line. And there's a purpose to it, and I want you to look at me before we read it. It's because we have a major issue in our lives with security. I don't care who you are. You might be the most macho man. You might be the strongest woman. But we have an issue with security because we live in a very insecure world. So I want you to read this line with me. The scriptures are very clear, okay? As we go together, read now. The scriptures are very, let's start again. I want all of us together. Here we go. The scriptures are very clear that at salvation, we belong to God. At salvation, not some later date, not at the rapture, not, not when we pass from this life into eternity, but right now we belong to God. First Corinthians 6 says it this way, and I want you to underline this first phrase, you are not your own. Underline that in your notes, would you please? You are not your own. So look at me, you self-made men. You didn't make anything. You are God's. And God is the one that enabled you to do everything you did. Now, I'm not going to grab the administration's thing. Well, you didn't build this. Yes, you do. God builds it all through you. But it's not you and I alone. It's through the spirit of grace that enables, that keeps, that strengthens, that secures. So underline that in your note. You're not your own. Why? You were bought and paid for you were bought with a price by the blood of Jesus. Now, stop there for just a minute and understand how valuable you and I are that he would have gave his very best, that he would have gave his all for you and for me. That's the value. That's the price. That's the, the, the deeming, the redemption that God put on, the revaluing, the redeeming. He said, you're worth so much that I'm going to pay for you myself and I'm going to keep you by my spirit of grace. John 10 says it this way, my sheep know my voice. 
and I know them. They listen to me. They follow me. And I give them. I give them. Underline those two words, please. I give them eternal life. You can't be deserved of it. Your pastor, chief, I'm not worthy of it. But by his grace, he gave it. I give them eternal life. And then underline this last phrase. They will never perish. They will never perish. Second Timothy, I, I put this in here because it, it speaks to me as a pastor. Paul is writing here to a young man by the name of Timothy. Paul is writing from prison. Majority of the Bible that Paul penned, two-thirds of the New Testament, were from prison cells. And he's writing to a young disciple named Timothy and saying, Timothy, God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of this good news. This is why I'm suffering. Anybody here ever gone through any struggles at all because you're a Christian? Because you're a Christian? Okay. This is why I'm suffering. Because I am a Christian. I am doing the work of God. And look what he says, and I want you to underline this next thing. Remember, we're talking about security. Underline this next sentence, but I'm not ashamed of it. Now, I'm purposely dissecting these things for a reason. Security is something that you and I fail horribly in. How many of you of our graduating college classes on that last horrific 10 days set down nose to the book, lights shining? You felt like you were locked into a prison. I got to do this. I got to do this. I, you, got, you sounded like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then pretty soon the test came. Man, that was easier than I thought. How many of you college kids can lift your hands up and say amen? You know why? Because guess who was the driving force of the little engine? The Holy Spirit of grace. You know, when you were saying, I think I can, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit was speaking to you and says, I know you can. I know you can. I know you. You know why? You got me inside of you. And there ain't nothing you got to worry about when I'm running in the, the engine for you. So look at look what he's saying here. Look what he's saying here. I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. Look what he says in the NLT version. I know who I've put my trust in. And I'm sure that he is able to guard everything I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. If we belong to God, and I left this very purposely in your notes, I want you to put a circle around this. I want you to put asterisks around it. I want you to put quotes. I want you to put uh, bangs Exclamation points. My wife calls them bangs. I'm sorry. It's a bang on that one. <laughs> Exclamation point. Put them thing. Look, look what it says here. Look what it says here. If we belong to God, it is he who enables us to live the life he called us to live. Let me read it again. And I, I want you to look at your notes because I left it in there purposely. If we belong to God, it is he who enables us. It is he who enables us. Will you say that with me? It is he who enables us. Say it again. It is he who enables us. Do you believe it? This is why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. There is no, folks, in my Bible, when it comes to a child of God, I can't find the word can't. I find the word won't everywhere. But I can't find the word can't. It says I can do all things. But here we are, that little engine. I think I can. 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 I think I
think, I think. And the Holy Ghost is behind you, full stream of faith. I know you can. I know you can. I know you can. Get up over this thing. Man, if nobody else got something today, I just got something. Ooh. It is he who enables us to live the life that he called us to live. Pastor, it's tough to live a Christian life. Folks, it's not tough. It's impossible. That's why we have the spirit of grace. He enables us. Am I making any sense at all today? You say, Pastor, can you give that to me in Scripture? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The New Living Translation says, It is God who enables us. Hmm. Does it say that in your Bible? It is God who enables us to stand firm for, in, and with. Why? He's commissioned us. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I want to take you. I broke down that term, spirit of grace. I went into, into the, uh, the book of Zechariah, and you can read this in the, in the book of the 12th chapter. It's talking about talking about it's a prophecy of the, of, the, of the crucifixion of Christ. Right into David. And he's there and he's breaking this down. And he said, I've given you the spirit of grace and supplication. And I broke all that down. I went, I went into the lexicon and I, I started looking at the different words. And, and don't worry about all the fancy stuff. But you can go out on, you can Google it right out there and, and go find the terms, and, and you can find a, a lexicon, a Greek one or a Hebrew one, and actually gives you the breakdown. It's really a cool book, okay? The Holy Spirit of God, which is called the Spirit of Grace, not merely because he is good or gracious or loving and is grace given unto us, but because he is the author of all grace in us. Mm, this is good stuff. Listen. Of gracious convictions. Do you know why you get that little check in your gut when you're doing something wrong? Well, because I'm doing something wrong. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, "Uh uh-uh, you know the way and this ain't it. Get back to the way. The gracious convictions. You ever have those times when you're just going along and all of a sudden it's like that, that old, how many are old enough to remember the Ford light bulb commercial? Ford's better idea, the little light. See, nobody wants to raise their hand and say, I'm that old, okay? But I am. The little light, the better idea went on. How many ever went through and all of a sudden something just came to you and you figured it out? Think about it. That's called the spirit of grace. Spiritual understanding. You're reading your Bible and something that was dark to you, something you're thinking, wow. I've never seen it like that before. That's called the spirit of grace. What is God doing? He's enabling you in every capacity of your life. Quickening or making alive, the regenerating, converting, sanctifying grace. These are all the particular graces that operate in this this thing that we call the spirit of grace. It's also the faith, the hope, the love, the fear, the repentance, the humility, the peace, the joy, the meekness, the patience, the long-suffering, and the self-denial. The ability to say no when your flesh wants to say yes. That is called the spirit of grace. Why? Because in conclusion, he's the revealer. He's the applier. He's the witnesser of all the blessings that God said he fulfills. When he said these words in your Bible, Ephesians 2, it's by grace you're saved. Through faith that not of yourself, it is God's gift. Now we belong to God. 
there was an elder gentleman who was truly a man of God. And one day he was asked, sir, what do you do when you're tempted? And the elder gentleman looked at the young man and with a confidence and a certainty, he said it. The reply was very simple. I just look to heaven and say, Lord, your property is in danger. You are not your own. You belong to someone else. The Lord of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the majesty on high. His name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Just look to heaven and say, Lord, your property is in danger. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning for the next few minutes, I'm going to take you through an understanding of security that the spirit of grace gives us, that you and I are his bride, you and I are his sheep, you and I are his children, and when the devil looks at us, when the devil comes to tempt us, when the devil comes to assault us, the ID tag is shining loudly, and we need to lift it up and say, I don't think I can, devil. I know I can. Is anybody ready to know that we belong to God right now? God's grace keeps us secure in your notes. Just like a groom keeps his, his bride. Today's society is a bit different than when I was growing up. I was growing up when chivalry was still a positive. I grew up when a man opening a door for a woman was still seen as a place of honor. Today it's, don't you think I can do it myself? You try to do something gracious and kind, and please, if you're not of that school and if you don't do that, it's not a right or wrong or good or bad. It's just a different mindset. There is an honor and a place between a man and his bride that the man earned. The man earned. Why? Because he, as the Bible says, when he found a wife, he found a good thing, and the blessing of the Lord came upon him. Like I've shared before, it's amazing the Bible doesn't say when you find a husband, you find a good thing. I'm still looking for that verse. It's not there. But I, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this and saying, God, your spirit is what enables me to be the man that you want me to be for my wife. You know why? If I want to figure out what the world says a man does is supposed to be, just turn some TV station on. I, I You know? Before I became a Christian, I had no idea what it meant to be a husband, what it meant to be a man, because all I had was the world's idea beaten in my face. But God said, no, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be your groom, and you're going to be my bride, and I'm going to teach you. In part one of our series, Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 27, said, last night an angel of the Lord stood before me to whom I belong. And I serve. See, Paul knew exactly who he belonged to. And for you and I to be secure in this world, we have to make a conscious decision that we know that we know that we know who we belong to, whose we really are. We belong to Jesus right here, right now. He is the groom. We are the bride. And in your notes, I left this purposely. I want you to underline this. Because this is security that the Holy Spirit enables us to live in. Underline these words. He will not let us face what he cannot fix. I don't know what page you're on. I'm on my first page because I write your notes differently than mine. He will not. Say that with me. First page. Thank you. Will not. Don't get nervous. I know it's, it's five after. We got plenty of time. Okay, I've got 15 pages to go, but we got plenty of time. He will not allow you to face what he. Say, he, who is it that enables us? Who is it that dwells in us? Remember the little engine that could? We the little engine that can. He works in us to do and to accomplish. Matter of fact, Philippians says it this way. He will finish what he 
began. I use that statement in the analogy of a husband and a wife. Why? Marriages face all kinds of things. We got all kinds of difficulties. Ladies, could you be in agreement with me that he wasn't that royal shining prince in white that you thought he exactly was before you said yes? But then after it was done, you said, I do, and you did, and here we are. But there's something about God's spirit that enters into that marriage. See, a marriage isn't a man and a woman. A marriage takes three. The husband, the wife, and the Holy Spirit. You've got to get God in the middle of your marriage. Say, well, I'm having lots of problems. That's because the wrong God is on the throne. I'm going to start meddling if I don't change real quick. This is not a marriage class. Married people face all kinds of difficulties at one time or another. Yet, in their love, in their love, they know there is nothing that can't be resolved, mended, or fixed. This is what causes a marriage to stand secure. You husbands and wives miss a great place to shout amen there. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I see stupid standing right back at me. I'm just talking about me. When my wife and I have difficulties, yes, we're the pastors of the church, and yes, she's made a mistake. I mean, we. <laughs> I was supposed to make you smile a little bit. Okay, yeah. Now, we have things that we deal with, okay? And it's the love that takes us through. Are you okay? It's the love that enables us. It's that spirit. Of, remember I was reading the, what the lexicon talked about the spirit of grace it talked about that love and that strength that security look what the 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 bible writer guy in the song of Solomon Solomon (laughs) you liked that one didn't you Pastor Philemon ah yeah yeah, the Bible writer guy, Solomon. Yeah, was Sol- yeah, okay, anyway. Look what he says. My beloved is mine, and I'm his. I know. I'm secure to who I belong. Over and over in Scripture, we're given the analogy of being the bride to a husband to whom she is deeply in love with. This is the relationship we have with husband and wife. This is the relationship we have with our Lord and Savior. And it is God's grace and our faith that keeps us in that relationship. What happens is our faith taps into that grace, which gives us the ability to be the bride that God has called us to be. That's why in Hebrews 10, it tells us to hold fast the profession of our faith. Let me take you to Hebrews 12. God's kingdom, the Bible says, is unshakable. A lot of times when you have the different scriptures, there's pieces that I will put in there, but I put the context that you get the whole picture of it. God's kingdom is unshakable, Hebrews 12 tells us. Hebrews 12, 27 talks about things that can be shaken will be shaken, but we have a kingdom that is unshakable. And look what it says here. Therefore, let us have grace by which the grace is how we serve God. Once we are in that relationship, whether it's a husband and wife or a child of God and his Lord, Once we're in that relationship, he wants us to live as if we're in that relationship. I don't have to second-guess my wife's love. She doesn't have to second-guess my love. She can go off and and go shopping for weeks at a time, or I mean for hours at a time, and I'm okay. Why? I put a limit on her credit card. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She can go, I'm not worried about her going rendezvousing. I'm not worried, and you're not either. Ladies and gentlemen, God says, I'm going to be here. Even when you're not faithful, God said, I'm going to stay faithful. Why? In me you can be secure. 
This is what 2 Corinthians 6 talks about. He tells us, you who have received God's grace, don't waste it. Understand that your life is to be unshakable in Christ. Am I making any sense today? You see, God calls us to be the best we can be, which means to do the same thing that Jesus did when he walked the earth. Over in the book of Mark, the Bible says these signs will follow those that believe. It doesn't say they'll follow the pastor. It doesn't say they'll follow the evangelist. It says they will follow those who believe. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4. With great power, underline those two words please, great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great power. Grace was upon them. That was the great power that enabled them to do the great things, to be the witness. And all it took was them to believe what they really believed was really real. Stephen, the very first martyr to the kingdom of God in the early church, Standing, and the Bible declares he was a man full of God's grace. And God performed great miracles through him. It's God's grace that enables. Number two, quickly in your notes. God makes us secure like a husband and a wife, a bride and a groom. God keeps us stable like a shepherd and his sheep. Sheep is what God compares us to. Now, I don't know that that's a thing to be proud of because they're basically defenseless, vulnerable, dim-witted creatures. I'm a sheep. But under the care of a loving shepherd, you know what they are? They're like lions. It, it, they stand. They'll believe. Because they know that shepherd will never allow them to go where he can't keep them. He is the good shepherd, John 10 tells us. We are his sheep. Literally what the scripture is telling us there in John 10 is we are in constant care and knowledge of who he is, where we are, who we are, and whose we are. And we, as Jude 1 tells us, remember that God is able to keep them that are his. You know what that means? No matter where you've been, no matter where you're at right now, God is able to get you where you're going. If you just come, say, Lord, you're my security. You're my rock. You're my fortress. In you, I stand and trust you see, the key to all of that is the sheep have to follow. And he said, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. The third thing we see this morning is that God keeps us sheltered. God's grace is a covering. Just like a father keeps his children. Something long time ago that the Lord spoke to my heart he said, understand that nothing touches the father's child that doesn't first touch the child's father. There is nothing you will ever go to. And I want you to look at me as I say this. There is nothing you will ever go through as a child of God that if you're living for God, you're trusting him, you're yielding your life to him that God hasn't allowed. Because if, it's, if the enemy is the one doing it, he has to have the father's permission. And so the reality is when you're going through something and you're saying, well, God, I'm living for you. God, I'm trusting you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tithing. I'm putting you first in, in my gifts and talents. I'm serving. God, I'm doing. And what am I doing? That I, can listen, I can guarantee if you'll just listen to that still small voice. He said, don't worry. I'm taking you through because I'm going with you. I'm walking this path with you. Am I making sense today, folks? Romans 8 says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption to whereby you call out Abba, Father. 
the most tender expression of a father-son, a parent-child relationship, Abba, is the picture of grace keeping our lives. You see, the father tenderly and lovingly provides his protection, his grace for each and every one of us. And no matter where you've been, God says, that's okay. That's under the blood. I got taken care of. But God, you don't know where I'm at. Oh, yes, I do. Do you know where you're at? You say, Pastor, why do you say it that way? Because too many times, folks, we play with fire. We, we, we get ourselves into the things. We get ourselves into things. And we think, God, what am I going through? The first question God says, what are you going through? Do you realize it yourself? I take you all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We, we remember when, when Adam and Eve fell, when they, when they ate of the fruit, they went and hid. How do you hide from God? I remember mom was having a conversation with her daughter one time, and, and she said, honey, you know that God can see you wherever you're at. And the little girl just blushed. She said, even in the bathroom? Everywhere. God knows exactly where you are. What he has to do is get us to the place to where we know where we are. Because that's the only way he can get us out of it. What's the, what's, what's the, 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 the thing, the statement that they deal with in, uh, in all addiction courses of any kind? The first thing you got to do is admit you got a problem. Right. You got to admit, God, it's not you. And I don't want to pop any bubbles, but it's not them. I'm the one that made the turn. I'm the one that drove the car. I'm the one that popped the bottle. I'm the one that opened the magazine. Yeah. I'm the one that... Fill in the blank. Right. Oh, God, you know the. I'll leave that hang. My wife and I, our children, have a special place in our lives. They have total, unconditional love, just like your children. And there's nothing that you will not try to provide at at any ability possible. That's the same way with God. We may think, you might be in this room today, you might think you have blown it beyond repair. And there's no way to return. You may think that his church is so far removed that they are beyond repentance. No, not at all. As long as you're breathing, there's still a place. God just says, come home. Look at Lamentations. says, because the Lord's great love, it's because of that that we're not consumed. Because his compassions, they fail not. Every morning they are new. And great is his faithfulness. God is doing the work. And it's by grace, through faith, that we're saved. And God just told us, keep the faith. Stand in that grace. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Don't be weary in doing what is right. In due season, you will reap if you don't quit. We need to begin to really understand this thing called amazing grace. I want to ask you, this morning. In Luke 2, we find a picture of Jesus. The Bible said he grew and became strong in the spirit and filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. You and I have that same grace that we are walking in. That same grace upon us the Bible says if all the works that Jesus did were written down, the world itself could not contain the books. And then Jesus responded to the disciples and to you and I that greater works than he's done, we will do. Why? Because we have the spirit of grace keeping us secure and strong. Romans 5 says it this way. All 
you who received God's abundant grace and are freely put right with him will rule in life through Christ. Some of you sitting back say, I don't feel like a ruler. I mean, I feel like the puppet right now. Why? Who changed the position? God didn't. See, this is why I take us back to the very beginning of this sermon. We are now God's kids. Now everything God has for us is ours. Now as we trust, as we believe, as we live. What does it mean to rule in life? It means that we rise above the norm. The things that are causing everybody else to give up, you jump in. It causes you to break out of the status quo. It causes and enables you to go beyond ordinary to extraordinary, from natural to supernatural. You see, what it literally is talking about is we no longer have to live day to day, week to week, paycheck to paycheck, but we can live from grace to grace. Because it's God's grace that enables you and I the ability to become kings and rulers and priests, to rule, to reign, to be the head, not the tail, the first, not the last. Let me give you a couple pictures as the worship team comes. Daniel 6. The Bible says that Daniel began distinguishing himself among the other rulers because he was possessed by an extraordinary spirit, the spirit of grace, the same spirit that operates in your life and mine. Numbers chapter 12. The Bible says 10 spies went into the promised land, or Numbers 14. 10 spies went into the promised land. Or 12 spies. 10 came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. One we know is Joshua. Joshua is the one that filled the shoes after Moses was taken home. He's the one that led the children into the promised land. Look what it says about one named Caleb in Numbers 14. He had a different spirit because he followed the Lord fully. Please look at me. Look at me. Look at me, please. We think being full of the Lord is enough. We've got to fully follow what we're full of. That means that you're going to be challenged to do things that you don't normally do. You're going to be challenged to go places you don't normally go. You're going to be challenged to say things you don't normally say. Well, that's out of my comfort zone. Well, get it in your comfort zone. See, we sit back and we say, well, no, Pastor, I'm not an evangelist. The Bible says if you're saved, you are. No, you might not have the call of an evangelist, but you still evangelize. I can't say the words. Your life is supposed to be the loudest word. In everything we do, God said, I enable you. I strengthen you. I lift you. I build you. You can't. I can. And in Him, through Him, and by Him, we do all things. Caleb had a different spirit. Why? Because he followed the Lord fully. God, I don't know if if I can, but I know you can. So show me how. And he does. Matthew 11, look what it says. I assure you that John the Baptist is the greatest or greater than anyone who has ever lived. But please underline this. But the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than John has ever been. I don't know if that encourages you, secures you. But it does me. Why? Because I know the God of grace enables me to shine in a dark world. There was a true story that I read many, many years ago. And this true story was about a pastor in an old town And this pastor 
Saw a little boy walking down the street with a birdcage. Probably not as nice as this one, but a rusty old wilted birdcage. And inside this birdcage, the boy just had some common sparrows, just old field birds. And the pastor saw the little boy walking down with this old birdcage and he got the birdcage from the kid after the story that I'm about to read and he did much like I did he set it on his pulpit to help us to understand those little birds were just fluttering around in there very insecure having no idea what's going on what's happening in their world not realizing their world's about to be shaken and they have no security no confidence no certainty why because everything they knew has now changed does it feel like anybody in the room today so the preacher was walking and he saw the boy and he saw the wild birds and he asked the lad what do you have there son and the little boy said oh just some old words old birds what are you going to do with them Listen to the boy's response. He said, oh, I'm going to take them home. I'm going to have some fun with them. I'm going to tease them. I'm going to pull out their feathers. I'm going to make them fight. I'm just going to have some fun. And the old preacher said, well, you're going to get tired of those birds sooner or later. What are you going to do then? And the little boy with a smirk on his face, he said, oh, I have a cat. My cat likes birds. And I'm going to give those birds to my cat. The pastor thought about it for a moment. And he looked at the boy and said, what would it take to buy those birds from you? The little boy was shocked and said, huh, what, what, what do you mean? Mister, they're, they're just plain old field birds. They don't sing. They, they ain't even pretty. And the pastor once again said, how much? And the boy sized up the preacher and saw he was dressed kind of nice and he said, 10 bucks. Pastor reached in his pocket, handed him 10 bucks, took the cage out of his hand, and in a flash, the boy was gone. Picking up the cage, he walked over to the field that was close by, and he opened the gate, and he tapped the cage ever so lightly. Why? Because the birds are already shocked. They're already insecure. They're all, they don't know what's going on. Is this monster going to kill them? What, what's what, what's going to happen? And all of a sudden, they see that they're being set free. And one by one, they fly. Well, the pastor came to church that Sunday morning, set the cage, and then he said this story. One day, Satan and Jesus were having a conversation. Satan had just come from the Garden of Eden and he was gloating, boasting. And he told Jesus, I just caught me a world full of people down there. I set a trap using bait that I knew they couldn't resist and I got them all. See, every day in our life, the enemy is setting a trap. Setting bait that he knows you can't resist. Think about it. The thing you fall into the issues you face, did you ever notice that they're never different? Oh, a different package, a different ribbon, a different bow. Well, it's always the same issues. Are they not? And Jesus asked him, so, okay, you have them. What are you going to do with them? And the devil replied with a sinister grin, oh, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to teach him how to marry. I'm going to teach him how to divorce. I'm going to teach them how to hate and abuse and drink and smoke and curse. I'm going to teach them how to invent guns and bombs and and war and kill each other. Oh, I'm going to have me some fun. And then Jesus said, well, you're going to get tired of them. What are you going to do with them then? And that grin just got more sinister as he said, then I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill every one of them. Jesus stopped for just a moment and he said how much do you want for him and the devil says 
just like he tells you today, oh, you don't want them. They're worthless. They're not worth anything. They tell you what you want to hear, and then they just go out and, yeah, you don't want them. They're two-bit. They're backbiters. They're hypocrites. They're liars. They're cheaters. They're steeders. They're everything I've made them to be. Jesus said, how much you want for them? He said, but Jesus, you don't understand. They're going to spit on you. They're going to curse you. And one day, you mark my words, they're going to kill you. You don't want those people. And Jesus stood stern and said, how much? Satan looked at Jesus and sneered. He said, I want your blood. I want your tears. I want your life. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.